0: welcome to sabbath school brought to you by it is written we are glad to have you back again this week and every week with us as we journey through an incredible series on three cosmic messages looking at the three angels messages in the heart of the book of revelation and this week we're looking at lesson number eight the sabbath and the end we're going to find out why the sabbath is so important in our time and going forward and you're going to be in, impressed inspired encouraged amazed we've got an exciting study this week but let's begin with prayer father we thank you for bringing us back together again this week and we anticipate a blessing as we dive into the significance of the sabbath and we ask that you will bless our time together we thank you in jesus name amen, amen. Well, we're blessed once again this week to have the author of this quarter's Sabbath school lesson with us, Pastor Mark Finley. He is an international speaker and author, no stranger to It Is Written. Great to have you back, Pastor Mark.
1: It's always a joy to be here at It Is Written, and I've especially appreciated, Pastor Eric, the opportunity to share with you two evangelists sharing together. That's right, and yet somehow (laughs) we've
0: managed to keep each study to a half an hour, which is a minor miracle. This study... On the Sabbath and the end, why is the Sabbath so significant to God? What role does it play? What does it mean to him, and what should it mean to us?
1: The Sabbath significance is really outlined in the Ten Commandments, where God himself wrote them on the tables of stone with his own finger, and he said, Remember the Sabbath day. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. Then the Sabbath commandment concludes with, For in six days the Lord made heaven, earth, the sea, and the fountains of waters and all that in them is. So the Sabbath points us back to creation. Creation is the very basis of all worship. If God did not create us, if we simply evolved, then life would have no real purpose and meaning if we came from lower forms of life and evolved and then simply die and go into the grave and there is no future for us life has little purpose or meaning it's the survival of the fittest but the sabbath pointing us back to creation enables us to keep clearly in mind that life does have a purpose that we were created by god a loving god it also gives value to every life the sabbath as a memorial of creation reminds us that life is valuable. I write about that in the introduction to the Sabbath School lesson, and I do want to give a little clarification there. It says, and could you read that first paragraph for us?
0: The essence of humanity's dignity is a common creation. The fact that we are uniquely created by God places value on every human being. The unborn in the mother's womb, the quadriplegic teenager, the Down syndrome young adult, and the Alzheimer-afflicted grandmother all have immense value to God. God is their father. They are his sons and daughters. God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, and he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth.
1: Creation enables us to recognize that every human being has worth. Every human being has dignity. Every human being has value. Now, let me tell you what we don't mean by this statement. We don't mean that there are no anomalies. We do not mean that there are no birth deformities. We do not mean that God creates the Down syndrome child or that God himself works in the genes and chromosomes to create uh, birth defects. We don't mean that. These situations take place because of living in a sinful world and we live in a broken world. What we do mean is this, that the unborn child has value to God, that the Down syndrome child has value to God, that the Alzheimer patient has value to God. And if we recognize the, the fact that God is our creator— then, even in a sinful world, every human life has sanctity and value. And that's one of the things that we say when we celebrate Sabbath. We praise the Creator God, we thank God for the gift of life, and we see the value of every human being.
0: Now, there are loud voices in the world today who would have us believe that we were not created, that we we got here through the the process of evolution, macroevolution, we might call it, over long ages of time. How does that, does that mesh with the Bible picture? Or if it doesn't, why doesn't it? And how can it not mesh?
1: Let's go to Revelation chapter 14. It is quite remarkable that the message of Revelation, particularly Revelation chapter 14, The rise of the Advent movement, the Seventh-day Adventist Church, the proclamation of the three angels' messages was taking place at the exact time that the evolutionary hypothesis was being presented to the world. One of the first uh, drafts of Charles Darwin's Origin of the Species was published in 1844, Later, um, it was further refined and published in 1859. But the three angels' messages, after talking about the gospel and the message going to the ends of the earth, says, Fear God. We've looked at that. Take him seriously. Give him glory in your lifestyle. The harvest judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the fountains and springs of water. Worship the creator. So a message to worship the creator goes out in harmony with the judgment hour those who've studied the book of Daniel recognize from Daniel eight fourteen unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. To the ancient Jew, the sanctuary was the judgment, uh, the cleansing of the sanctuary on the day of atonement was a day of judgment. And so we have here this clock striking the hour in a present tense judgment that the hour of God's judgment has come from 1844. And at the same time, a message to go out to worship the Creator, so this message is critically important in a time of evolution. Now, you've asked, why is it that you cannot harmonize the evolutionary, macroevolutionary, and that hypothesis with um, with creation? If you go back to Genesis chapter one, there are a number of reasons why that cannot be done. In Genesis one verse one, would you read that, please?
0: In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth.
1: This is the first verse of the Bible. It's the basis of all the Bible. If God is not our creator, what qualifications does Christ have as our redeemer? If God is not our creator, why does life exist at all? Is it some divine joke? Is it some cosmic accident? And then the Bible goes down with the six days of creation, God resting on the seventh day. If, indeed, there are no literal six days of creation, if there are long periods of time, then the seventh-day Sabbath is totally irrelevant. If, indeed, you don't have six literal days of creation that are 24-hour periods, how do you deal with the Ten Commandments written with the finger of God on tables of stone? Because it says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it always. Six days shall the labor. The Ten Commandments written with the finger of God on tables of stone presuppose that the days were literal 24-hour periods. Because you can't have a Sabbath, which is a 24-hour period, if the first six days that it memorializes are not a 24-hour period. Um, The other thing is this. It says first day, second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day. The word for day in the Hebrew language is yom. And every time a numeral is used before that word day as an adjective, like first day, second day, it qualifies it as a 24-hour period. Now, the way some people get around this is they say, well, Moses wrote in the language of humanity, and that's what we could understand. And so, therefore, Moses wrote in harmony with the culture of his time, and Moses thought it was a six-day creation, but really we know scientifically it wasn't. What that does, it takes the presupposed, the supposed quote-unquote facts of science and it tries to to cram them into the biblical record. I think to be honest with oneself, uh, it's it would be almost impossible, and I would say impossible, you know, to harmonize the long ages of creation with the biblical narrative. Psalm 33, verse 6 and verse 9 says, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. He spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Uh, Hebrews 11 says that verse 1 and 2... We understand that the worlds were created not from things that we see, but by the Word of God. So the Bible is clear that God created the world in six literal days and rested the seventh.
0: So that's one clear picture of of why the Sabbath is important. It reminds us of the fact that he is our creator. You mentioned also in this week's lesson about the judgment, and you made mention of it just a moment ago. What What relationship does the Sabbath have to the judgment? Elements of it are probably clear, some less so, but why is it really integral to the judgment?
1: The Sabbath reminds us that God created us and he fashioned us. If we are created by God and did not evolve, we are not merely products of our heredity and environment, but we are moral creatures that have responsibility for choices. So the judgment presupposes again that God created us That we are rational beings with conscience reason and judgment and as the holy spirit impresses our mind we can make positive decisions so if you are simply evolve from lower to higher forms of life if that's what happens and if you do not have conscience reason and judgment you're not a moral creature but you're simply a simply an advanced animal then There is no light in the judgment because you're not responsible for your actions.
0: So, if we are created, then we are moral beings, then we are responsible for our actions, and and our actions are, are called one day into judgment. And fortunately, the judgment is not something that we need to fear if we are indeed uh, walking in the light that christ has given to us and and embracing him any other thoughts on uh, on that I,
1: I do um i summarize this i think pretty succinctly on sunday's lesson called the judgment creation and accountability it's right under the questions that are asked there that show the relationship between revelation fourteen seven and romans fourteen ten james 2 it says, since we were created by God with the capacity to make moral choices, we are responsible for the decisions we make. If we were merely a random collection of cells, products of our heredity and environment only, our actions would largely be determined by forces over which we have no control. But judgment implies moral responsibility. So the first angel's message that calls us to worship the creator calls us as moral beings as intelligent beings as rational beings that can choose to make positive choices prompted by the spirit filled with the grace of god empowered by god's spirit to make positive choices for his kingdom
0: and praise the lord for that he gives us the opportunity to do that we're going to take a break in just a moment but before we do I want to encourage you, if you haven't already done so, to pick up the companion book to this quarter's Sabbath school lesson. It is called Three Cosmic Messages by Pastor Mark Finley. You can find this book at itiswritten.shop, and it goes into greater detail, greater depth on the subject that we are looking at week after week in this quarter. Three Cosmic Messages by Pastor Mark Finley available at itiswritten.shop. We're going to come back in just a moment as we continue looking at the significance of the Sabbath as it pertains to the three angels'
2: messages. We'll be right back. Throughout the Bible, mothers have played an important role in advancing the kingdom of God. Eve, Sarah, Rebecca, Jochebed, Naomi, Elizabeth, Mary, But no mother has had a greater impact on the growth of God's kingdom than a mother found in the heart of Revelation. Don't miss A Mother at War as we trace history from the war in heaven all the way down to earth's last days. You'll encounter a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, a pregnant woman who has to fight to save the life of her newborn, you'll be witness to the battle of the ages and see the ultimate victory of Christ and His church. A Mother at War, brought to you by It Is Written TV. You know that at It Is Written, we are serious about studying the Word of God, and we encourage you to be serious as well. Well, here's what you do if you want to dig deeper into God's Word. Go to itiswritten.study for the It Is Written Bible Study guides online. 25 in-depth Bible studies that will take you through the major teachings of the Bible. You'll be blessed, and it's something you'll want to tell others about as well. itiswritten.study. Go further. itiswritten.study.
0: Welcome back to Sabbath School brought to you by It Is Written. We are looking at the Sabbath and how it pertains to the three angels' messages. Pastor Mark, I'm going to I'm going to quote you back to yourself <laughs> and give you an opportunity to explain something that you that you penned in Monday's lesson. Several paragraphs down, you write this, "Scripture calls us to rest in his love and care each Sabbath. Sabbath is a symbol of rest, not of works." of grace, not legalism, of assurance, not condemnation, of depending upon him, not upon ourselves. Each Sabbath we rejoice in his goodness and praise him for the salvation that can be found only in Christ. Now, you and I have both been informed that Sabbath is a sign of legalism. It's salvation by works. When a person keeps the Sabbath. We're trying to earn our salvation. It's somehow legalistic or something like that. We've both been accused of that, I'm sure. But keeping the Sabbath is not about legalism. Rightly understood, what is it?
1: First, the Sabbath, as we've talked in the first segment, is a memorial of creation. When we come to worship on Sabbath, we come in this world of commercialism, This world of secularism and godlessness, we come to an oasis in time. It is our oasis in the desert where we come to drink from the well of salvation. We come to have our inner hunger satisfied by Christ. We come to worship the one that made us. We say, Lord, I'm not some speck of cosmic dust. I'm not some pebble by the road, not some tin can, pop can that's been run over by some car. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a cow, not a, n- not a mosquito, but I'm created in the image of God. So we come with a sense of sacredness on Sabbath, with our hearts filled with praise for the fact that God created us. We did not choose to be born, but he chose us. So we come with that sense, but we come also resting in his love, resting in his care On Sabbath, we rest in the one, not only that created us, but the one that redeemed us. We rest in his works. We rest in his grace. We rest in his assurance of salvation. So the Sabbath is not a symbol of legalism. It is a symbol of righteousness by faith in Jesus Christ. You know, it's very interesting when Cain and Abel brought their offerings Cain brought an offering of the fruits of the ground. Abel brought the offering of, um, by faith in Christ in the animal sacrifice. Cain's offering represented righteousness by works. Abel's offerings represented righteousness by faith. I'm going to be bold here. If you worship on Sunday, you may not know it or not, but that's a symbol of righteousness by works. You say, Mark, that is too bold. Let me explain it. Now, you may be saved by faith in Christ. You may be a wonderful Christian, and I praise God for that. But what I'm saying is this Sunday is the work of man because Sunday is not established in the New Testament as a day of worship. It was initiated by priests and prelates and Roman emperors back in the early centuries. So Sunday is the work of man. Sabbath is the work of Christ. So you can never be legalistic, trusting in the work of Christ. It was Jesus who was the creator, Ephesians 3, verse 9. Christ created us. Christ redeemed us. So when we come on Sabbath, we are coming in faith in Christ's work, resting in his love, and it's not legalism.
0: That's that's encouraging, and never thought of it in quite that context, so that's that's illuminating. Thank you for sharing that. We know that Sabbath is also going to play a role down at the very end of time. There's going to be a conflict between days of worship and, and so forth, and, and you go into that in this week's lesson. What role does the Sabbath have to play in end-time events?
1: It's outlined in Revelation chapter 14, and uh, we will study in the future— of the, in this sabbath school series on specifically the mark of the beast what that is etc but when you come to revelation 14 there are three verses that i think we have to put together and if you would look at them for us revelation 14 verse 7 then verse 9 then verse 12 and i'll kind of sum you can read them pastor Eric, and then i'll kind of summarize them
0: Verse 7 begins, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come. And worship him who made heaven and earth the sea and springs of water. Verse 9, then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, verse 10 describes some things that happen. Then verse 12, here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of jesus
1: the conflict between good and evil in the book of revelation is over worship is christ worthy of worship as our creator is christ worthy of worship as our redeemer jesus reveals his worthiness for worship then here in revelation 14 verse 7 It's a call to worship the one who is worthy, to worship the one who did create us. Worship him who made heaven, earth, sea, and the fountains of water. Uh, Worship the creator. You remember in Revelation 4, verse 11, it says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory, honor, and power, because you created all things. How do we worship the creator? By worshiping him on the memorial of creation that he has given the Sabbath So the call to worship the Creator is a call to Sabbath worship. Now, in verse 9, it says, if anyone worships the beast. So the call to worship the beast is in opposition to the call to worship the Creator. There are two worships, the worship of the Creator, the worship of the beast. There are two signs, the Sabbath and that which is opposite of the Sabbath, Sunday or Sunday the day of the sun which came in through sun worship so that but all of this conflict between worshiping the creator worshiping the beast comes to focus it comes to a focal point in verse 12 where it says here is the patience of the saints that is the endurance of the saints who've endured this uh, great crisis over the mark of the beast here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus so here are those who through the faith of Christ living in their hearts keep the commandments of God. But what is it that enables them to keep the commandments of God? And of course, the grace of Christ. But true and false worship, worshiping creator, worshiping the beast, come to a focal point in the keeping of the commandments of God. So this is part of the last day, um, the last day, end time message of Christ. And here. In the Sabbath School lesson, I point out right on, on Wednesday's lesson these passages, that is Revelation 14, 7, 9, and 12, these passages make it clear that the central issue in the conflict in the last days between good and evil, Christ and Satan, is worship. Do we worship the creator or the beast? And because creation forms the ground for all our beliefs, after all, what do we believe that makes any sense apart from God as our creator? The seventh-day Sabbath, embedded in the Genesis creation account, stands as the eternal and immutable sign of that creation. It's the most basic symbol of the most basic teaching. The only thing more fundamental to it is God himself. Hence, to usurp the seventh-day Sabbath is to usurp the Lord's authority at the most prime level possible that of his identity as creator.
0: So it plays a significant role and gets down at the very, very heart of things and plays a significant role at the very end of time. Let's jump to another significant question. What about eternity? What role does the Sabbath play in pointing us forward to eternity? That's where we're wanting to go. That's where we're longing to go. What role does it play in helping us understand eternity?
1: Every time as we worship on Sabbath, we say, God, you created the world once and you're going to recreate it again. You're going to recreate a new heavens and a new earth. Heaven is a slice of eternity. Abraham Heschel, the very famous Jewish author, wrote a book called The Palace in Time. And he said, every Sabbath, the palace from heaven descends to earth and God beckons us to enter into this palace. Most palaces are made in literal space. They are they have physical features, but the Sabbath is a palace in time that God invites us to come into. And you know, Abraham Heschel's daughter wrote an introduction to his book. It's found here in the Sabbath and Eternal Rest. You may have it. Uh, her name is Susanna Heschel, and uh, it's the second paragraph on page 69. If you have that, it says, uh, in the introduction to heschel's book and just just read that one paragraph you know when i was studying for these sabbath school lessons i had not been familiar with this concept of um, of judaism and it's just remarkable so go ahead and read it
0: in the introduction to heschel's book on the beauty and solemnity of the sabbath susanna heschel his daughter writes of the significance of the sabbath in these words the sabbath is a metaphor for paradise and a testimony of god's presence In our prayers, we anticipate a messianic era that will be a Sabbath, and each Shabbat prepares us for that experience. Unless one learns how to relish the taste of Sabbath, one will be unable to enjoy the taste of eternity in the world to come.
1: Isn't that amazing? In other words, Sabbath is a slice of eternity. So when I come to worship on Sabbath, what three things are in my mind? First, God, you're my creator. And I'm worshiping with my brothers and sisters here that all barriers are broken down. Secondly, Jesus, you're my redeemer. You are the one that died for me. I'm resting in your grace, your love, your goodness. And thirdly, Jesus, eternity is coming. And Sabbath is a slice of eternity where I can fellowship with you now, preparation to fellowship with you through all eternity.
0: Amen. A slice of heaven, a slice of what is to come, a a taste of what God has in store for us. Pastor Mark, thank you for helping us to understand the significance of the Sabbath with uh, respect to the three angels' messages. We're going to continue looking at these three incredible cosmic messages as our studies go on. We still have a few weeks left as we bring everything together in a better, more complete, more personal understanding of what these three angels' messages are mean to you and to me and to really, honestly, everyone on the face of the earth. So we pray that God will bless you between now and next week when we get together again. Until then, we look forward to seeing you next time on Sabbath School, brought to you by It Is Written.